Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 71, podcast for marketing managers and sales managers for using HubSpot or considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you Craig? I'm really well, uh, another jam-packed episode ahead, especially with uh, HubSpot stuff, so I'm yeah, very excited is. about this episode. But it'll be a lot of actionable stuff. Yeah, we're going to cover content repurposing, so a few things related to HubSpot and then later resources of the week coming up. So I think that's really interesting and one of those kinds of practices that you can get a lot of value out quickly. Yes. Now, on to our inbound thought of the week, Craig, and there are lots of HubSpot certifications that are out there, like the new content marketing certification, there's email marketing, etc. I know you seem to be one of the few fully qualified people that I've spoken to. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I was just catching up on my exams on the weekend, actually. And you know, exam blitz. I did a bit of an exam blitz, so I've got them all again. Uh, but I was redoing the inbound certification because mine had expired. I think they, what do they give you, 12 months and 12 then months, a, a month yeah. or two kind of leeway? Yes. Yeah, so I redid the inbound one. And I actually wanted to highlight it in the show because it's actually changed a lot since I last did it. And I was kind of surprised because I thought, oh, yeah, I've done this before, same old, same old. I was going through the content. I was like, actually, this is really good. For example, at the end of the certification, the last couple of pieces, they talk about the sales and marketing alignment piece. I think that's really important. That wasn't there when I did it a year or two ago. And that's really useful. And I, I think overall the certifications are getting better and better. They're improving. And, well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You know, HubSpot's good at updating their content. But I found it really useful and uh, everyone in our team actually has done the inbound certification now and a number of them are doing the content marketing one that you mentioned. I think they're really useful and so I highly recommend them. Yeah, they're very useful. I don't disagree with that. One thing I would like to see is, for example, we've got to do inbound, we've got to do HubSpot, we've got to do everything every year. I'd love to know what's new. So if I was really comfortable with, oh, I've done them previously and I wanted to just catch up on the new units or sections i'd love to just go and do those as a as a start and then probably work my way back so i'd love if they were identified in the training yeah that'd be handy wouldn't it i actually wonder though i guess in some places there would be totally new sections that'd be right but i actually wonder if they revamp all of the content you might find most of the sections are all all revamped so i don't i don't know which is a possibility i'll have to do it and tell you. <laughs> i actually didn't compare them that much i wonder if you can get back to past versions i do i've actually got all the slides from the past version so i could do a comparison it would be interesting to compare them and say here's how inbound has evolved yes there's the there's the challenge for the week all right now we would like to encourage people go to academy.hubspot.com and actually do some certifications because it really does refocus you and really puts you on top of your game when you actually do all of these certifications. Yeah, and I, I'll, just, uh, I'll just say I learned a lot from these. So some of the CRM ones and some of the marketing ones, you know, we're in the product every day, right? So we get used to it. But then I do the certification. I'd still learn new stuff. I love that. You know, it's kind of uh, there's at multiple levels. There's beginner stuff and there's advanced stuff. Yes, absolutely. Now, I see that there's a HubSpot digital marketing hub, Craig. I don't know if this is new or not, but everyone HubSpot's tweeting about it. So I think they're, you know. It's a new piece of pillar content, I think. (laughs) The directive came down from on high. Everyone promote this. And uh, rightly so, because it's good. It's a digital marketing hub. It's got a ton of resources. It's really well laid out. I really like the layout of the page. Yeah. good. And all the resources in there. Good to see for just how to lay out a a, a hub, actually, (laughs) a hub page. And this is coming back to content. A lot of these things that they're talking about where as they migrate towards topics and 
and having similar themes, this is a really, if you just look at the structure of this page, how they've gone about explaining things, giving resources, taking you through a journey of what digital marketing is, it's really interesting and impressive to see because they've really brought together a lot of stuff in there. And I think look at that page as an example and think about how you can apply that to your business. And if there's any points of friction, have a look at that and just understand what it means to make a great piece of pillar content or hub content, as they would call it. Yeah, it's really good. I've just been reading around what makes things go viral and this idea of shareability and that people's uh, psychology is they want to share stuff that makes them look good. And this is a good example of HubSpot creating a piece of content where if you, the general public, were to share it with your friends, it kind of makes you look good because it's actually a useful resource. So I really like that aspect to it. I like to think about how they approach it. And as you said, it's pillar content and the way they lay out the page. That's an example of how we can be thinking about laying out some of our pages so that in turn other people would think, oh, yeah, this makes me look good to share it. And I can guarantee that Digital Hub page that they've done will get plenty of links and people blogging about it and sharing. So, yeah, it's job well done. Now, I actually want to have a little bit of a gripe, though. <laughs> you know, Go, Craig. It's called the Digital Marketing Hub, right? But then they kind of go to pains to make a point of comparing digital marketing with inbound marketing. Right. And I've included a quote in the show notes, which you can go and read, where they basically, they kind of pan digital marketing. They put it in that, oh, it can include outbound, disruptive, annoying, low quality as part of it. And this kind of irked me. Yeah. Right? Because I think it's a little bit misleading to compare digital marketing with inbound marketing as though digital marketing can be banned. But, of course, inbound marketing is not, right? And I think like in any marketing, there's good digital marketing, there's bad digital marketing. There's good inbound marketing and there's bad inbound marketing. And I just wanted to point the finger back at HubSpot just because I'm going to be annoying like that. But if you go to the HubSpot blog, right, They've got exit intent pop-ups. Now, I hate pop-ups. Uh, have, I, have I said that before on the show? <laughs> I hate pop-ups, right? And exit intent pop-ups are an example of pop-ups that mean well but actually rarely do. So I often have my browser open. I've got it and I'll just push my mouse out of the way, right, And because I just want to put it out of the way so that I can read that post. And ex- exit pop-up turns out because my mouse yeah, has gone out of the browser, right? right? Okay. I do this all the time and I find it extremely frustrating, these exiting. And by the way, just let me ask you, have you ever been leaving a website and an exit pop-up, exit intent pop-up comes and you go, oh, I will sign up? Have you actually really? ever done that? Now, I know somewhere someone's done studies and stats show yes. that they work and general pop-ups work, but I just like... They shouldn't and they can't for much longer. People get annoyed with this, right? Surely that uh, at some point we're going to look back on these days of pop-ups and exit in pop-ups and say, thank goodness those days are over because they are interruptive. Yeah. They're exactly against this whole, um, I guess, um, ideal of inbound marketing to not be disruptive. So I kind of went off on a bit of a tangent there, a little bit of a rant, but I just, I, I guess my overall point is be adding value and then don't at the last minute when you're adding value, destroy it all. You know, just just let the actual pillar content do the work for you. Yeah. And going back to that digital hub piece, a lot of it is pushing, like I'm sure the, the goal of it is to push people to the certifications. I think that's a key piece of, you know, goal behind the page. And it does it really well. Yes. Because it guides you through 
and then it pushes you onto the certification. Right. More than 50,000 people have done it, social proof, all of that. That works really well. They don't need any pop-ups or anything like that. The content does the work for it. Yeah. So there you go, kind of a bit of a long extended rant. We've got an opinion of the week coming up. That, that wasn't it. <laughs> that was just the in-one thought of the week. All right, on to our marketing feature of the week. Now, since we're talking about content repurposing in this episode, I thought we'd have three quick takeaways, things that you should actually have a look at in the tool that will help you do this, right? So the first one, we're going to look at page performance report. This is under reports on the menu. It's a very underutilized tool. So just click into that, have a look. You'll get a list. If there's things that need to be fixed, you'll get the nice little triangle warning symbol. <laughs> you can click and see what, what you can actually improve. So that's one. You know, maybe you can actually, you've got here, scroll through the pages to view which ones have the highest CTA click-through rate. That's a really good indicator. So go and do that. I think that's really important. Yeah, and the second one is attribution reports. Now, depending whether you've got pro versus enterprise, you'll have uh, different attribution reports available. But uh, pro, and they both have it, but um, pro's got the pages that generate the most leads. So this is a good one to just get a listing of the pages uh, on your site that are actually contributing to leads. And if that's the case, maybe that's a piece of content that you can repurpose to other formats or other ways on your site, which we'll talk about later in the show. So that's the second one. Yeah. And then analyzing blog posts. So I spoke about this before. I think we spoke about this. This is the third time we're speaking about it. Um, Analyzing top blog posts by conversion. So view which blog posts have driven the most conversions and then click through to see the full report of the blog conversion. So you need to obviously, (laughs) this is a bit of an elongated, I had to actually look at this even previously, how to get there. Uh, And the key thing here is you need to actually have your blog on HubSpot for this to work. Yeah, this one. If you're doing your blog on WordPress or some other platform, this is not going to show up. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it is a bit hard to find. It's kind of tucked away. It's very buried. Yeah, but as you said, you go to blog posts and then you scroll down, uh, you go to the analyze and scroll down to the bottom. Right to the bottom. Yeah. And then once you actually get to the bottom, if you click on something, you can actually sort it by uh, author. And yeah, you can switch uh, something else, which I forgot. Between author, uh, yeah, that's right. So you can actually t- work out who's your highest contributing author to leads as well. And that's maybe right. there's something with their content that they're writing in a specific way that can show you some trends. Yeah. All right. So after those very in-depth <laughs> pieces, um, here is something that's actually in beta that I discovered. This is a feature where it actually suppresses people with low engagement. So we're so, talking about emails here. Correct. So they call this gray mail. So basically what happens is HubSpot's now recognizing who these people are. So maybe they haven't opened it. They've never opened your email, still delivering it. So what they're starting to do is now suppress that. And there's an option, a checkbox that you can actually click to actually make that happen. And I think it's actually by default all the time, unless you say no, you don't want to default that. Yeah, like this is really nice. I, I don't have this in my portal. I know you've got it and I'm, I'm very jealous. But yeah, as you said, it's in beta. It's really nice. Probably should just explain that why you don't want grey mail. Because you might you might think, well, look, I'll just send it to everyone if they don't engage. I don't, I don't mind. You know, may as well send it. They might. Yes. No, the reason why you want to rethink that is because grey mail, as you said, when there's low engagement and what happens is that the ISPs and some of the emails, like Gmail and things like that, they start noticing that the recipients are not actually opening their email yes. and they start moving it off to the like promotions tab or yes. possibly into spam. Yeah. 
So it's actually reducing your deliverability. So yeah, cutting those out and increasing overall deliverability or respondability, we could call it, engagement actually is more yeah. they're saying. That's- and it's interesting you say that because I've actually seen that from some things that I'm actually subscribed to end up in spam. When like I haven't opened them for a while, they end up in the spam. So not a great not a great way to live. So I think this is a good step. Yeah, now you've included a link to the knowledge base and we'll just quickly highlight. So what does HubSpot consider low engagement? They've kind of got two rules there, haven't yeah. they? So if a recipient has never opened an email from you and has not opened the last 10 emails you've sent, they're categorised as recipients with low engagement. And the second one is if they've actually previously opened your email but has not opened the last 15 you sent them and they're also classified. So those are the two rules that actually make up this low engagement list. Yeah, so it's really good. And so you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go and create smart lists that targeting engagement and then exclude them and that. You just tick a box, love it. All right. Now one thing, what we would like to see, Craig? Oh, right. I just had this thought. You know how we've been talking about A-B testing on landing pages? Correct which I love, and uh, you can go back a couple of episodes when I had a big rave about that. I'd love to see it on web pages, pages yeah. the site pages as well, because we had this. Uh, we had one client today and there was like, oh, I've, got the, I've got the page laid out like this. Can we move the video up the top? We're like, uh, okay, what, what's driving this decision? Oh, I just think it would be better. I'd love to A-B test that and just yes. go, I, I don't think it will improve it, but let's just test it. And see, and uh, that'd be really nice, wouldn't it? Because even though it's a site page, we have call to actions on calls to action on every page. So yeah, it'd be simple to test the effectiveness. Yeah. Anyway, that's a bit of a wish list. I don't know why. You know, you could possibly build your entire website with landing pages, couldn't you? Yes, you could. (laughs) Just to get that AB, you don't even you wouldn't even use site. Anyway, that's a whole different story. Well, I mean, if you're really interested in testing that one page, might be actually worth just. um, creating a landing page and just testing that one, if, especially if you're driving paid traffic to it, um, driving it straight to that landing page as a test to verify does that video moving up the top actually need work or doesn't work. Yeah, could do that. Good idea. So, All right, HubSpot sales feature of the week. We're going to talk about call queues. So this is where you can use, actually from the CRM, you can actually call your prospects or the people within the CRM. And... <laughs> Pro tip to start off with, you must use a country code in the phone field for it to work. If you just put a local number like, um, let's use a Sydney number like 9813446, it's not going to work because the default is actually in the United States. So, is, Did you know that number or did you just make it I up? just made that one up. <laughs> I'm going to call that number later to see who answers. <laughs> in the show notes, I've actually put my number. So. <laughs> So you can have a look. I'll give you a so, so I think that's one of the tips because I, I discovered that when I, I've been doing stuff and we've been using the call feature and calls fail. So I've actually even used this via the app on the handset so you can invoke the call, but you can also do it from your desktop. And then I actually, on the settings on the app, there's another setting where you can select, do you want to use the data, so the, the internet, or you can use your the handset to make the call. So that's an option there. Yeah, the call piece is really nice. And this call queue, you know how I found out about it? Doing my certification on the weekend. Yes. Can you Like I'm in the CRM quite often, yeah. right? So I know it reasonably well. I, I had not seen this. That's right. So it was and highlighted so, in the certification. I was like, oh, wow. Exactly. And there's actually a default view in contacts, which, as you say, is show me my call view, where it shows you all the calls that you've got to make. So it's a great feature. So especially if you're trying to really 
hone in, make sure you're making the calls, make sure the people are being engaged and touched. This is a really critical part. And I think it's really good to use. All right, Cafe Consulting, Craig. Just a reminder, coming up on the 8th of March in Sydney, uh, you can book in. There's a link there just to book in with Ian and myself, 30 minutes. Uh, totally you get free. two heads, two certified heads, and you get probably the most certified head. <laughs> yeah, so come and uh, chat with us for 30 minutes about anything to do with HubSpot or inbound marketing, and uh, yeah, we'll try and give you some tips and thoughts as well. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. The I left a comment entitlement. And I thought this is rather interesting conversation we were having before. Yeah, so this comes to the whole topic of rented land. You know how we yes. talk about don't build your sites on rented land. So this could be you build your whole presence on a Facebook page, for example. You don't yes, own that page. Correct. You're renting it in a sense off Facebook and they control it. They could delete it at any point. But uh, the reason this came up is because in one of my wife's groups that uh, she looks after, there's about 10,000 members and you get all these troublemakers. Is that a private group? It is a private group, yeah. Wow, 10,000 members. Yeah, yeah. It's doing really well. So to do with introverts actually. So, yeah, it's... um, Louder Minds? Louder Minds group, yeah. As she she says, a place for introverts to not meet. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. But anyway, we had some troublemakers in there and they were leaving comments and there's this this, this implicit, I don't know why, uh, implicit kind of thought that if I leave a comment, you must respond to it. Yes. And I was like, just delete the comment. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're deleting comments, right? Yes. That's not not you. And then people are getting upset. You deleted my comment. It's like, yeah. And there's this kind of thinking, yeah. this entitlement that, no, that's no, my comment. It needs to stand. How dare you delete my comment? Yeah. And we've seen this before when brands have their their public Facebook pages. So not never mind a private group. Yes. But public Facebook pages and people get on there and have a rant and then the brands sometimes they delete the comments and then people are all, all outraged and, in fact, it becomes a media story that the brand was deleting comments on their Facebook page. I've always been puzzled by that. I was like, yeah, I, I would do that all the time. In any, in any case, on my blog, if I write a blog post, someone leaves a comment I don't like, I'm going to delete it. Yeah, It's mine, right? And if it's my Facebook page or my group and someone leaves a comment I don't like, I'm just going to delete it. They have no entitlement to keep a comment, right? And I just, the reason I wanted to mention this is because I often think that people looking after assets and content feel that they have to live by other people's rules. And I want to make the point, you you actually, as much as you can control your own assets, you should be mindful about the public perception that gives, right? Because as we well know, there's other places that can, people can go and rant and you can't control But on the ones you can control, of course you have the right to delete comments and manage them. But overriding that is always that idea of rented land. If you're building a Facebook page for your brand or your company, keep in mind that never mind the comments, but your whole page could go. Facebook could just delete it. That's totally their, their right. That's exactly right. I think that goes with anything that's rented. And that's why I encourage people to actually build their own assets. So your blog, your website is your own asset. You control it. You have access to it. Even though even though it might be hosted on a host system, you're still the ultimate owner of that. So I would encourage you to actually invest in your own assets rather than building community elsewhere. 
Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I'll make one final comment about deletion versus keeping. Yes. And I think you always have to come up with rules. So I guess this is the tactical kind of, and it depends case by case. You always have to come up with the rules for your particular assets. Yes. So if someone wants to get on your page and raise a legitimate complaint, it actually can work in your favour if you say, yeah, thanks for the feedback and you address it. That case, I think, is a good risk. So you don't, I wouldn't suggest just delete them because you don't like them. But it's around the intent of them. People get on, they're snarky, they're rude, they troll and all that kind of stuff. Those I think you can happily delete. But when it actually adds value to your business and to them and to other people, that's a good reason to keep them. So think about value. All right, on to our creative top 10 of the week, Craig. And this challenge is from me to you. It's to come up with 10 ideas to help a commercial cleaning company starting in Melbourne and they've already been established in Sydney for the last 10 plus years. So. Right. Okay. So at the risk of me talking for 90% of this show, I feel like I've just been ranting on and hogging the conversation, but I, I will go through the 10 ideas. Go on. And, me. Okay. So the first one is, and the way I approached this was, I'm not going to suggest stuff that they could just be doing in Sydney anyway. Yeah. You know, all the normal channels that you do. I assume they're doing that as well. But this is stuff that gives that they've got a new opportunity to do in in Melbourne. So first one was go through existing database, look for any companies or existing customers that are likely to have multi-city locations. Yep. And target them with a very high-touch, personalised, specific outreach. So none of this blanket email. By the way, we're opening in Melbourne. You know, if you have an office there, let us know. Very high-touch. Number two, here we go, a flash mob in Melbourne. Okay, And you have these people paid, you know, not a real flash mob, but paid flash mob. I know they're kind of a bit thing of the past, but I think this could work. Um, In a CBD area and they're there doing, you know, the the broom sweeping (laughs) or the dusting, that kind of thing, and it's got the name on the back. So it's just that kind of um, brand awareness piece, T-shirts with their name. Um, Three, talking about repurposing content, go through your website now and also your sales team's Document communications and repurpose anything that's working well for Melbourne, specific locations, geographic landmarks, those kinds of things, Uh, even jargon uh, that you find in Melbourne. Melbourne jargonisms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, number four, consider it a new market. I think this is the key thing because often uh, if we're in an existing market, we don't think outside the box kind of thing. But when we're entering a new market, say Melbourne, which could be, we can have a new mindset and we can take more risks. Yep. I also think there's a chance for rebranding. So if you've noticed that in Sydney, I really wish we could do this, oh, but we can't, we're an yeah. established brand, a new location actually gives you more opportunities. So you could rebrand a premium level or okay. yeah. even a new company. That's a good now. idea. Number five, building on that, I, I think a startup mentality. So you kind of say to your marketing team, and it might just be one person yeah, for yeah. a cleaning company, and they're probably in charge of marketing and sales and yes. everything. Uh, but you did say kind of, commercial or corporate cleaning, so I'm assuming they're a bit more established and yes. the fact they're going multi-city yep. probably means they're bigger. But, yeah, have a growth hacking mindset. Yep. So whereas Sydney, you've got established market, you don't want to ruffle feathers, you almost say, okay, you've got 12 weeks, try something new, yep. totally new, give it a go. Yeah, right. So you raise I that. like that idea. And number six is kind of test disruptive ideas, disruptive in quotes because it's such a, a buzzword <laughs> these days, but... Uh, since there's no risk, so I don't know commercial cleaning, but I was trying to think of everything that 
by default comes into my head. And I thought, yes. oh, you probably got commercial cleaning contracts. Yep. They probably clean at night, all of this yes, kind of thing. Correct. So I was thinking, have no contract options. Yep. Try that. It's a new market. So you're yes. not you're not putting your current market at risk. Yep. Try try cleaning during the day for something. Now obviously you can't mop floors, yeah, but yeah. try, you know, uh, normal office cleaning because I think there's an, uh, an opportunity for engagement there, assuming it's office, you know, might yes. not be. Um, dress in suits. You know, the cleaners, you know, they always look like they're dressed in overalls and dirty. Smell nice. Yes. You know, so if you had someone coming during, during the day in yes. a suit that smells good and they're cleaning out all your rubbish, w- wouldn't you notice that? Absolutely. You go corporate, cl- get these guys. Yeah. You get a referral kind of. So I was trying to think of everything that I assume about cleaners and just do the opposite. Something, do something different. Yep. Partner with other providers. I don't. Maybe they do all this kind of stuff already, but I, I th- especially in a new location, if you can piggyback off, say, um, commercial plumbers, electricians, document shredding companies, catering, tech support companies, office moving, all those kind of people where you kind of, no one really offers that kind of service, that mm. package service where yep. you kind of say, oh, yeah, we're the cleaners, especially if you're coming down around the office box during the yes. day. Oh, by the way, here's that. We do document shredding yes. and uh, oh, tech support, that kind yep. of stuff. So that kind of a chance for a new kind of relationship there with partnering. Offer add-on services for office workers. Like this keyboard cleaning, monitor, wipe down. Yeah. Like no one in our office, no one ever does that. Cleaner yeah. never does that. Yep. But if that was done or yes. an option, especially yep. if they came around the day, do you want us to clean that at night yes. or it was just a ticker box? That would be really useful. I think that would be good service to offer an office box. Yeah. Target service office providers like WeWork and some yep. of the others. Number 10, seasonal campaigns. E.g., if they're going to launch in Melbourne in winter, maybe target an office sanitizer special where you sanitize every desk and keyboard as part of the first client and leave mini sanitizer bottles you know, oh, yeah. with their branding, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. And I think that was number 10. So some some offline and online um, things there. And then number, Quite liking this, Craig. Number, number 11, um, Uber Clean. Yes. Because you've got to get Uber into everything these days. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the new Uber. But, yeah, I was actually thinking of this Uber Clean where it's kind of uh, like Airtasker or TaskRabbit or any of those where you can kind of be a marketplace that's connecting cleaners with offices that need it. Yeah. Because they do tend, as my, I don't understand, I don't know the industry that well, but as I understand it, they're kind of more contractual things, office for entire blocks and yes. things like that. And I wonder if that's the best way to do it. Maybe there's uh, Other ways. a chance yeah, for a nimble thing. Like All right, there you go. Fantastic. Thank you, Craig. All right, Craig, on to our podcast of the week. And this is from Samantha Alford, and this is from the Daily Hub. Now, we had the great experience last week before we recorded our podcast to actually be interviewed by Samantha, and she talks. It's basically an interview of Craig and myself, and I guess we don't talk about ourselves too often. So have a listen to that. It goes for about an hour, I think, does it? Yeah. I started listening to it. I haven't finished it. But have a listen to it. We would love your feedback. Have a listen to Samantha. She actually interviews a lot of other people who are doing inbound marketing using HubSpot. And I think you'll probably find lots of good value there. So have a listen. All right. On to our resource of the week, Craig. And now this is about refurbishing old content. This is a great article from Mons. And we talk about it. It's a good whiteboard Friday presentation by Brittany Muller. And so it talks about taking existing content, putting it into other formats, and then posting it on other sites. So things like doing slide share things like creating infographics and those kind of things. So it's really taking that 
and really multiplying the effectiveness of your content. Now, as we discussed last week, content without promotion equals failure. And this is a part of that whole promotion piece. It's about amplifying the content onto different channels in different ways. Podcasting is another way. Yeah, that's right. And so at the, uh, in shot two, when we're talking about finding the, the content uh, from those HubSpot tools to repurpose, that's content that's worked well. Now we're talking about, yeah, some of the formats you can put it in. And then the second article in the, in this resource section was Neil Patel. Yes. By the way, if, if you want an example of annoying pop-ups, go, go, to, <laughs> go to this. I, I almost didn't want to include it, yeah. but... Um, but it's actually such a good article. Yes, we wanted to it is. From, from, it's actually on Quicksprout. On Quicksprout, yeah. Yes. And he talks about placement. And that. And I've seen this a lot lately where people take great content and they'll use it on Medium. Okay. Uh, so on their own site first. Then they'll use it on Medium. And then on Quora because I'm on Quora a lot these days. I go on Quora. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really good. Uh, that's whole whole strategy for another show. But they'll go and answer questions and they just lift content from one of their own blog posts and leave it as an answer. And it gets lots of votes, yeah, uh, right. upvotes, because okay. it's actually really useful. Yeah. Uh, and so that's another way of repurposing content. Fantastic. All right, on to our quote of the week. And this is not really a quote. It's really one of the latest blog posts from Seth Godin. And it said, but that's not what I meant. And I'm going to read this to you. It's not very long. It says, there's no more urgent reason to write. It keeps you from insisting that people read your mind, understand your gestures, and generally guess what you want. If you can learn to share what you hope to communicate, written in a way that every, even a stranger can understand, you'll not only improve your communication, you'll learn to think more clearly as well. The person who most benefits from your writing might be you. That's very thought-provoking. He's good, isn't he? I love reading stuff. All right, on to our tip of the week, Craig, as we near the end of our show. And the key is focusing on subject lines. It says 69% of recipients report emails as spam based on the subject line alone. Now, that is an astounding number. You know where I learned this? In one of my HubSpot certifications. There you go. Yeah, so that's uh, from Convince and Convert. Uh, but isn't that, isn't that such a mm. high number? Like you just think, wow, like headlines could mean the difference between ending up in spam forever or just being in that person's inbox. Yeah, test and measure. You know what I actually – one of the things that often comes up is personalising. Yes. So personalising email. Yeah. And people will put your name in the email in subject, subject line. To me, I off, that's a clear indication it's probably spam to me actually. Yeah. So it's, in, it's a case where personalization works against it. So, But you've always got to think about this case by case. And so, yeah, when, it, when the stats are that high that you get marked as spam, well worth testing. There is a tip for you, and I was just trying this out the other day. When you're sending email campaigns, there's actually an email tester where you can test what it looks like on different clients. You can run that. I think it uses Litmus to do that. And then you can actually view what it looks like on an iPhone, on Apple Mail, etc. But I encourage you to use that because you can actually see how much of your title gets seen or how much doesn't get seen. And that'll give you a good indication of what someone is going to see when it gets delivered. So go back, have a look at your previous campaigns, see what devices people are opening them on. And actually when you're sending a new campaign, run a device test on that campaign prior to sending it out. That's an excellent idea. All right. On to our bonus links of the week. We've got some bonus links. So I encourage you to have a look. It's got some great things about Facebook advertising costs and what Craig is reading right now. So I encourage you to look at that. Now, finally, book into a cafe consulting session on the 8th of March in the city with 
Craig and myself, and we'd love you to rate us on iTunes and leave your feedback as that really helps us. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.